Hello, my goslings, and welcome to the Smug Buds, where we explain everything to the geese. Elizabeth Deanna Morris likes here, your favorite iambic pentameter friend, and my co-host, of course, William Hoffacker. Hello, my dear Will. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm good. It's snowing. Did you know this? No, I didn't know it was snowing. Yeah, it's snowing, and um, we're supposed to get um, five to ten inches in in Gaithersburg. Ooh, when, which is tomorrow? a lot. <laughs> like overnight, you mean? Or yeah, so it started snowing at four, and at first it was just like you know, like nothing, and now it's actually starting to like. And by by at first it was nothing. Clearly, that's the way everything starts. Um, <laughs> but. I mean, at first it looked just like flurries, but for like mm-hmm. a good hour it looked like flurries. And then closer to six, it started actually looking like snowing enough that it looked substantial and it was hitting the ground and sticking. And um, they've, mm-hmm. they've treated the road. They do a really good job of treating the roads here. So I'm not like worried. But it's also nice because uh, for all of our goslings, we are once again recording on a Saturday night. And um that means that i'm up past my bedtime in about 7 minutes and um <laughs> that also means that i get to sleep in tomorrow or at least sleep in as long as my as uh, late as my kid does right. which is um actually pretty good for a kid he sleeps into like he goes to bed at 7:30 ish and wakes up around se- if we don't wake him up he'll wake up between 7:30 and 8:30 oh that's the dream yeah, I mean he's li- literally sleeping for eleven to twelve to thirteen hours. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm the same way. That's what I will do if you don't wake me up. Wow, not um, literally, but it is like yeah. ten hours. Yeah, I sleep. Um, I mean, if I go to bed at, I need a lot of sleep, which is to say that if I go to bed at, but I can't really sleep in. So if I go to bed at nine, I'll wake up at like seven or seven thirty. Uh huh. Um, and then if I. Like this morning I woke up and I could just stay in bed for, you know, cozily, but, you know, sort of half awake, half asleep for at least a while. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I've never slept in, the latest I've ever slept in is 11 in the morning. Really? And I I slept in to 11 in the morning once. I remember the exact day. I don't remember the exact day on the calendar, but I remember the exact day I did it because I was house sitting for um a friend, a family friend, and watching their dog. And I was sleeping in my friend's bedroom that was a basement room with no windows. And I was I was getting sick. And so I went to pee at like eight. But because there was no light, mm-hmm. um, I had slept. It was like literally 10 at night until 11 the next day. And that's the only time I've ever slept in that late ever. Not including like, you know, infancy when I don't have memories yeah. or choices right. or agency. Yes. Right. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I can't say the same for myself. <laughs> Weren't you just telling me about a night very recently when you were up talking to friends until, didn't you say, past 3 a.m.? Yeah, I, sl- I woke up at about 6.45. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't. My body is, I am, I am a machine. And <clears throat> so, yes, when I stayed up late that night, it was extreme. I was also very tired. Um, we were celebrating New Year's Eve, uh, the couple of days before New Year's, and, <laughs> um, we, we, uh, yeah, stayed up. I think I went to bed at two, and I woke up 
as I normally do at – I know normally during the week I wake up at 5.45 and that's a little bit too early for me. It's hmm. definitely too early for me in the winter because it's dark. Basically, right. I want to wake up when the sun rises. Sure. In the summer, that means I would love to wake up at 5.45. In the winter, that means I would love to wake up at 7. Um, yeah. In between, it means I would like to get up in between then. So right. in the winter, it's very difficult for me as I think we've discussed. I have a, a light for that. Um, yes. In the summer, I really truly could – I wake up. With the sun, I feel alive. I feel full of energy. I feel just like good and human. <laughs> and then I can go to bed at like 930 after the sun sets and sleep and I feel rejuvenated. And then in the winter, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I remember very fondly the times in the summers between the years I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would stay up uh, until mm, 3 or sometimes 4 a.m. most nights. Oh, my God. I, alone, by the way. Uh-huh. Because I am an only child, as our gossip yeah. may remember. Mm-hmm. So my parents would go to bed <clears throat> at some respectable, normal time. Mm-hmm. And then I would just stay awake in my parents' living room watching HBO and Showtime shows on demand. Yeah, that sounds like a good life, yeah. Yeah, it was sweet. You know, I discovered Dexter and just Mm -hmm. got hooked on that. And then I would sleep in until, you know, like one or two in the afternoon. Ooh, wow. And that was pretty normal. (laughs) No, I think that's a normal high school. For the record, I just want to say, like, I think your experience is, like, Mm -hmm. maybe not standard but pretty regular pretty common yeah yeah. and i think that if i didn't have a job and i didn't need to have a job and Uh maybe if i lived alone as well (laughs) i think i would continue to do that today at almost uh 29 years old or something close enough to that this is why we're foils of one another (laughs) because yes you want to be awake at night and i would like to be asleep then this is why we are uh, yin and yang and yes. therefore perfectly suited to be pod husband and wife <laughs> yes my wife will um That's so right. <laughs> so i'm the wife <laughs> i will say that i have one um small anecdote and then we can get into this very yes. light-hearted episode right and that is that i there was a summer between um sophomore and junior year of high school where I had just gotten – I had had a laptop weirdly when I was like in middle school, but I had just – that like had gotten old at this point. And so I was using um, – my grandfather had gotten rid of his computer. And it wasn't a super fast computer by any standards, but um, I basically just wanted to to like, um, like read stuff on the internet and write. And mm-hmm. so I had a computer in my room. I was actually using my desk as a desk for the first time. And there were nights that I would – fall asleep at a regular time and then wake up at like two in the morning and just be awake. And it was summer and I had my window open and it was warm and I just felt very like in my own body. Like I was not very wearing very much clothing because I was wearing like a tank top and shorts um, and felt very comfortable with that. And I would write poems and I would read and I would write diary entries. But also my brother is a known sleep talker. Like everybody oh. who's ever lived with him has heard him sleep talk. And um, even even like 
at a, at a young age. My mom tells the story about when he had, I guess, almost taken Nerf darts to school in his <laughs> pocket. And she was like, oh, you can't take those because, like, you know, it's like a gun thing. Mm-hmm. And so she had taken them out. And that night he had a nightmare where he screamed clear as day my mom heard him but i have crayons in my pockets <laughs> he was like five like or i guess he must not have been five he must have been six because he was like in kindergarten okay um but so in these nights more than once um i i don't want to say like every night but multiple times he said liz <laughs> and our bedrooms were directly next to each other um right. and so i'd go I'd like pause and then I'd say, um, Blake, Blake, and hear nothing. Right. So he was like saying my name in his sleep, which <laughs> is so, like so, like it was so endearing to me. I was like, <laughs> he does love me. Uh, or, or like that, but then I'd be like, or he's having a nightmare about me. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got there. <laughs> yeah. Because I no was going to say that is, su- that's such a, quintessentially liz reaction to think like (laughs) oh a sign of affection (laughs) from a loved one yeah either that or he like um blake and i are like really good buddies now but i like definitely wanted to be more more friends with him than he wanted to be friends with me when we were younger um which i feel like is that as i know you don't really understand this will nor could i but um I think that's usually the opposite dynamic. I think usually the older sister is the one swatting, swatting away her pestering younger brother. Yeah, swatting rather than swaddling. Yeah, which is what you were doing or attempting to do with yeah. your younger brother. <laughs> um. So yeah, speaking of uh, like nope. uh, us being children. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Will, what is what is this? pod about today this podcast oh, oh i have the honor of introducing your topic <clears throat> thanks to this tradition that we created and this this is i would i'm been i've been referring to this all day as my season finale <laughs> yeah that's right that that it is i mean it, it it's not the season finale but it is it is yours mm-hmm. so for for your season finale of smug buds season one our Easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl, lighthearted, fun topic for today is abortions. Specifically, uh, and you can correct me if I'm mischaracterizing this, but you want to talk about uh, how if you want there to be fewer abortions in the world, then actually being pro-choice is the way to be. Yes, um that is absolutely right and i'll um i'll get into clearly i'll get into all the details of this um i think this is i mean clearly this is like the most serious topic we've we've covered um Mm -hmm. i just want to start the episode by saying a couple of things um i'm very pro-choice um i don't want to hide that um i also want to say that if you're pro-life and you feel that personally you could never morally have an abortion and that also if you feel very and uh, deeply uncomfortable and bad about the idea of you having an abortion, I have nothing against that. Um, I think that, again, I'm pro-choice, so I believe that you absolutely have a right to feel that way. I also understand that this uh, 
issue is rife with feelings. Yes. And so part of the reason I want to talk about this is because I want to look at it through empirical, an empirical lens, through mm-hmm. the lens of empirical evidence. Um, and so if you're my, if you don't know me, if you know me and you think, oh God, I disagree with Liz. One, you're allowed to. Two, if you are surprised that this is my opinion and you do know me, not sure how well we know one another. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you do a pretty good job of putting your opinions out there. Yes. To friends, acquaintances, strangers. Yes. Anyone but I you do come sh- into contact with. Yes. And I, I do want to say, you know, I think there are some things here fundamentally that I might say, like, I think, you know, the way that you're going about this is harmful. But, like, on an individual and personal level, I'm not suggesting any choice except um, for yourself, except the one that you feel most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let me get into some definitions of terms. Good. So, which is, I think, important. So, let me pull yes. up my – might. I'm, I apologize if you guys hear me clicking around because I do – I did want to bring up – um, you know, I'm not writing this as if I'm, this is not, you know, we always try to have footnotes, right? We always try to have show notes that have, um, what we've cited. And for the episodes that I have that are, um, a more sciencey based, I tr- do try to pull from legitimate sources. And so you'll see me doing that throughout this episode. Yeah. But, um, I do want to say that, um, I also understand that this is not a, like, fully fledged argument that's pulling, from every study available. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can do really thorough research and look at aggregate studies and still come to conclusions without having to do that kind of research. And so that's what I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. So I looked up the definitions of these um, and I want to sort of logically walk through my thought here. Okay. So if you look at pro-life, <laughs> this mm. sounds like the worst um High school graduation. Webster's Um, Dictionary defines. (laughs) Yeah. So most dictionaries define Mm -hmm. pro-life as just people who are against abortion. Um, Mm -hmm. So that means that these are people who don't want abortion to happen. Um, And that also comes with a lot of other caveats. Also, as a note, I'm looking at this issue pretty narrowly and clearly – my own biases and also like other factors are going to come into play here. But I really am just trying to focus in on this like one argument as best that I can. So when you're listening to this, I never could have covered this whole topic as well as I would have liked to, which is why I'm focusing just on this one thing. Mm-hmm. Please send us emails. As you may have seen, uh, we do have both a hate mail and a fan mail folder ready for you. Um and that email address is smugbuds at gmail.com. Okay. I was not, I did not know a song was coming when I set you up for that, but great. No, it, thank uh, you. yeah. I mean, a uh, small side note I think that uh, we hit gold with smugbuds because nobody has it for anything. So, yeah. There's no smugbuds one or yeah. smugbuds pod among our usernames. Yeah. We're just smugbuds everywhere. So, across smugbuds all platforms. At, at Gmail, or, you know, we have a contact form on our website, smugs, uh, which is um, smugbuds.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> at smugbuds on Instagram. Oh, wow. It's um, got verses. Smugbuds on Twitter. <laughs> I should have done all of our outros this way. 
Mm-hmm. That's probably that, fine. That, that may be coming in season two. <laughs> season two. <laughs> um, so, yes, pro-life. People who are against abortion. So my, my thought here is that if you're against abortion, that means you don't want it to happen. Right? Yes. Um, I'm following you so far. And so that would mean that you would want there to be the least amount of abortions possible. Because if you're pro-life, you believe that life is sacred. It begins, you know, depending on how pro-life you are, it begins when a pregnancy is detected, is detectable. Okay. And, um, you know, some people might say it begins at conception. Some people might say when it's detectable, but it begins very, very early. And pro-life people want to protect that life. And so that would mean that if we're looking statistically, they want there to be the least amount of abortions possible because there might also be people. I also just want to say here that like people who are pro-life or pro-choice are also going to be on a spectrum of what they think is acceptable. So I acknowledge mm-hmm. that as well. So, you know, some people who are pro-life might say, you know, I don't want there to be any abortions. I think we can agree right now that is unreasonable. Um, there are going to be abortions that happen regardless of what um, you want to happen. I also don't want there to be any abortions, but I'll get to to why later. Um and how, how what I mean when I say that. Okay. So yes, hypothetically, you don't want there to be any abortions, but there are going to be abortions because that's just how people work in the world. And so because of that, logically, as far as I'm concerned, I think that means you want there to be the least amount of abortions possible. Because mm-hmm. what's the alternative? The alternative is that well, we'll get to that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like getting ahead of myself here. Mm-hmm. And then pro-choice. Pro-choice are people who are for legalized abortion. Mm-hmm. So that means there are people who want there to be access to abortion. They want women and um, people who are uh, who can get pregnant who may not be women to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, go to their doctor, have a conversation about medically what they would want to do and have uh, that outcome be accessible for them without undue burden is the phrase that came up in Roe versus Wade. So they just want to be able to, you know, make the decision with their doctor and do it and have there not be a problem. Right. So I also want to say here, what do I mean when I say pro-life legislation versus pro-choice legislation? Because this is going to come up later. Do you have any questions? None so far. Okay. So I found – I just Googled, like, pro-life legislation and pro-choice legislation. I just want to say that this is, like, not at all, like, um, comprehensive. But this mm-hmm. is just, like, a sampling of what pro-life legislation could look like. Okay. So I found this website from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Yeah. And it has legislative issues – in the 111th Congress. So this is a couple Congresses ago. I think we're on the 115th now. Is that right? Oh, it was like, don't I look don't at know. me. Why are you asking this <laughs> to me? Um, I think we're on the 115th. And okay. so this is recent, but not like um, today. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, they say they advocates for they advocate for policies that protect and respect human life and dignity with special concern for those who are unborn, disabled or terminally ill seeks to eliminate legalized abortion, opposes legalization of assisted suicide euthanasia. So this is also, of course, um, um, addressing the part of pro-life legislation that is sometimes brought up but usually considered secondary to the abortion issue, which is um, uh, like the death penalty, euthanasia, et cetera. Right. So there are some things included here that 
go by a broader definition of pro-life than yes. the one that you were just putting out. Yes, because again, this like idea of pro-life pro legis- and pro-choice yeah. legislation is going to be looking at things greater than mm-hmm. um, right. just pregnancy happening and now what do we do? <laughs> Um, and this is mm-hmm, where I, mm-hmm. this is where I think you can be pro-life and support pro-choice legislation is like when you actually look at what, what is on paper here. Um, so yeah, uh, supports, oh, uh, opposes domestic and foreign abortion funding and mm-hmm. efforts to force states and health plans to fund abortion, supports medical research that respects human life while opposing human cloning, um, we encourage you to visit the site of the USCCB, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So what are the legislation issues? They have these in alphabetical order. But they have things like abortion regulations, support informed consent for women and safety regulations, and reporting requirements for abortion clinics. Okay. Oppose the establishment of abortion as a fundamental right, which is, you know, there through Roe versus Wade. Um, mm-hmm. Maintain dedicated funding for abstinence mm-hmm. education programs. So here, this is where it's like – this is talking about people having sex. This is not talking about, okay, somebody's pregnant, what happens? This is talking about before that right. even happens, let's um, talk about sex. Alternatives to abortion. So support efforts for pregnant women who may otherwise resort for it to abortion. Um, oppose, and then family planning funding, Title X, oppose increased funding for Title X programs and support needed reforms, more effective exclusion of abortion from the program, respect for parental rights. Um, I believe this parental rights thing, I could be wrong here. I believe this parental rights thing is suggesting that men should have um, a say in this. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Okay. So, like, if Will, if you and I, for some reason, have you've gotten me pregnant, I don't know how that happened, but let's hypothetically say that it did. Right. And when I'm the wife, that's even more (laughs) unlikely, but go on. Yes. Um, Then, you know, you you know, if I'm like, I want an abortion and you're like, well, this is my kid, too. And so I get parental rights here. I think that's what that's referring to. Okay. Um, So, yeah, so that's the sort. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry, I'm wrong. That does come up sometimes. That's not what this is. This comes up later. Parental rights. Oppose the transport of minors across state lines to invade, to evade parental involvement laws on abortion. So basically, if you're under 18 in some states, you have to go in the United States, we're talking about right now, you have to go, you have to get a Mm -hmm. a parent's consent to have an abortion. And so if you're in a family where abortion is, um, like super looked down upon you might be like well i can get into a car and go into a state where i don't need my parents consent Mm -hmm. and so they're trying to oppose that right being able to happen yeah so that's a little sort of um just screenshot of what pro-life legislation could look like depending on who you are yeah broad strokes overview yeah um, now, I could not find such a delightful little summarized, um, thing for pro-choice legislation. Um, everything that I found was, like, really nuanced or, um, detailed in a way that is, uh, useful in real life, but not for this podcast. Right. 
But what I did, so I finally, I just went to Planned Parenthood. Okay. And Planned Parenthood, um, I went to their take action website and Mm -hmm. they have three things on there. Well, they have four things. One of which is like email Congress, which like, you know, basically Mm -hmm. anybody's going to tell you to do that if they want you to do something with legislation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. They're just going to also tell you what you should email them. So they have three things on here. The first one is change your profile pic, which I get what they're trying to do, but not relevant. (laughs) Um, But the other two are about signing petition and taking action on um, access for birth control. And it says, tell the administration of your members of Congress, don't let my boss decide whether my birth control is covered. Which this is something that, again, that came up with the pro-life legislation. Um, It came up under, um, like, let's see. Okay, I forget exactly. Oh, here we go. Oppose the creation of mandates for contraceptive or pons- or potentially abortifacient drugs. Um, so basically saying, like, there's a couple – and then it also has up here um, – or for the euthanasia medical neglect. It has something that says oppose – oh, sorry, not that one. Oh, here we go. Contraceptive abortiface – no, I already read that one. There's too many of these. The point <laughs> is – that comes up here too, right? So the pro-life mm-hmm. people are saying oppose legislation that says that people have to give you birth control. And then the pro-choice people are saying support legislation mm-hmm. or oppose legislation that says that people have to say – decide whether or not you get birth control. Mm-hmm. Pro-life people say everybody should have access to birth control. Pro-life people, their legislation is saying we need to control – birth control and we also need to control who's forced to have to pay for your birth control right because if you have to pay for your birth control out of pocket and because if you work for a church for example Mm -hmm. and the church is against birth control altogether which the catholic church um for many years is slash was um Mm -hmm. you know they didn't want condom usage which was a huge problem with with stds um, recently, one of the popes sort of said, no, you should probably use a condom. Sorry, um, did you say one of the popes? Yeah, I forget which one. <laughs> what? We've Sorry. had multiple popes in my lifetime. Yes, I know. I know. It's my lifetime, too. And I know that there have been three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which one it was. Probably just, the most recent one. The phrase one of the popes just implies sort there's of, like a there's council of more popes. than one at once. <laughs> and so anyway. Yes, yeah. And I, actually, I, there. This is one of the only times, in fact, that there has been more one, more than one living at once because normally they die. Yes. This one stepped down, the second, second yes. to last one. Right, yes. Uh, uh, Pope Benedict was the one who retired. Yes. And then he was replaced by Pope Francis. Yes. Who, who is known for being relatively progressive. And yeah, so he's... he was the one to say that condoms are not forbidden. Yeah. Okay. So he was the one. Okay. See, so look at you having more information than me. Um. Yeah. I mean, he's relatively progressive. He's. I mean, like he's kind of like your like grandma who's like, you know, I I love you just the same. You're going to hell, but I love you just the same. <laughs> or you know, is like, you know, you should really come over. And you're like, but grandma, you think that I'm like gonna go to hell? And she's like, I know, I know, but just come over. And, you know, we can talk about it. And you're like, but I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, um, that's why I put a big verbal emphasis on relatively. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So um, the other thing that they have here is the no gag rule. Um, so the gag rule, it, there's different iterations of this gag rule. The idea with a gag rule is that people are allowed, aren't even allowed to talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. So um, this happened internationally um, recently with Trump where something that Obama had rolled back got put back into place where basically if there's – I'm going to – I hope I don't say this wrong. But in countries where there is money that we are providing money to for certain programs, in those programs, if you talk about abortion, you're not allowed to talk abortion as about abortion as an option if you're providing services – that we are providing funding for, we being mm. the United States. Right. So the gag rule here is important because if you are a young person, if you're a person with um, out access to education or without access to resources, and you maybe only are getting educated um, at your church or at school, or even if you're going to your doctor and there's a rule that says that doctor can't tell you about abortion – um, you now don't have the actual medical information you need to make a decision. Right. So, um, you know, pro-life people are saying we don't want this to happen, so there's no reason to tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. um, how do we prevent people from choosing abortion? We don't provide it as an option. Pro-choice right. people are saying um, if you don't have all of your options available, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to make the option available if that's what you want to be the option mm -hmm. and you're probably going to do it in a way that's not as safe or you're going to then be forced into a situation that you did not want. Yeah. So here. So now that I've sort of set, set the stage, do you feel like mm -hmm. I've set the stage? Yes. We've got a good foundation. So pro-life people, their legislation is looking like don't have there be information, like oppose legislation or like ha oppose legislation that provides more information um, protect unborn people by limiting access to abortion, by limiting access to birth control, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. Pro-choice people are saying more education is good, more, you know, more access is good. Okay. So what, how, how would you, how do you think, what's a good test here? How can we see like, what is the best way to have legislation? What is a good test for? Like, how can we do research on this? Sorry, say that again. It's like such a complex topic. Like, yeah. how can we go about researching this? What do you think? Do you have any ideas? I have an idea. Clearly, that's why I'm running this <laughs> podcast. Um, I guess I my first thought is that there are. Uh, different levels of access across different areas in the country. So yes. by comparing them, you could come to some conclusions. You're like definitely where I was, but think even more extreme. So what we need to do is we need to look at the countries with mm. the most restricted access to abortion. Okay. And the most unrestricted access right. to abortion mm -hmm. other so, countries and, they exist and, 
Yes, other countries exist. But also the idea is that um I mean, and so there's there's some articles I've there's two articles I um have in the show notes today that are actually referencing the same study. Okay. Um one has um they're they're not presenting the information slightly differently. I mean, they are physically doing it. One has a lot more charts. Um, uh-huh. they focus on, they focus on different parts of the study, um, but they're pretty consistent and one has really pretty charts and the other one doesn't, but it's actually, you know, there's, there's different categories of like, you know, countries where like, it's totally banned countries where it's like entirely banned, except for there are some exceptions for like health of the mother, incest, rape and stuff yes. like that. But otherwise it's like, there's the access is still really low. There's some places like the United States where it's legal and it's supposed to be legal to everyone but it's so inconsistent that there's still a lot of up and down Mm -hmm. and then there's places where it's like almost entirely accessible Mm -hmm. um and it's i want to say it's pretty split evenly between those four categories so you really can get like in terms of like the different countries in the world. So you really can look and see that like um how how it's affecting each group. Right. So the other th- number here is that you'll keep keep I'm going to start saying numbers out of 1000. Okay. And that means that um it's out of 1000 women um who are of ch- childbearing age. Okay. Um, and I believe that they define childbearing age as um sixteen to forty four. Okay. Now, this is a little bit misleading because clearly some people get pregnant earlier than that and later than that. Yeah. And also sometimes in some of these places where it's more common to get married at a very young age, people are regularly getting pregnant at 14 and 15. Yeah. Um, but I, that is how they define it. Um, it's per 1000 women of childbearing age. Okay. So the study that I'm looking at is by the Guttmacher Institute. And the country with the lowest abortion rate has five abortions per 1,000 women. Mm -hmm. That country is Switzerland. So we'll talk a little bit more about Switzerland in a bit. Um, I want to start with the place where abortion is the highest. Which is, or it's, I take that back. It's not the highest, but there was this NPR article on this that I thought was really well written. And so we're going to focus on this. This is one of the places where it's one of the highest. Mm-hmm. And that is Pakistan. Okay. Um, and so in Pakistan, this is, um, I don't know if this is, this is a different study that this number is coming from. This is from a 2002-12 study by the New York-based Population Council. Um, it sounded like you just said 2012. 2002-12. <laughs> 2002-12 study. That rate at that point in Pakistan was 50 abortions for every 1,000 women. Age okay. 15 to 44. Sorry, 15, not 16. Okay. 
And the U.S. Um, has shifted. I've seen different numbers, but it's it's been around 16 to 17. Okay. So I think that gives you an idea that, you know, the U.S. truly is in the middle of this right now where it's not five abortions per thousand women, but it's also not 50. Right. Room for improvement. Room for improvement. If we're, if our goal here is mm-hmm. to get the least amount of abortions possible. Right. I mean, truth. I mean, truthfully, there's room for improvement on if. <laughs> I mean, no one's goal is the opposite of that, but yes, I don't think so. Anyway, no one that I'm I hoping, know of, no one that I know of. <laughs> um, I've met a lot of pro-choice people. I haven't met anyone who identifies as anti-life. Yes. Yet. Yes. Um. Oh, so also just as a note here, when I said I, I think it's worth it for me to describe something. Okay. When I say that I don't want there to be any abortions as a pro-choice person, mm-hmm. what do I mean by that? And this this is my personal opinion, um, but I think a lot of other pro-choice people would probably agree with this. In an ideal world, a woman will have complete control over her own bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. And in an ideal world, which is this is another point, a woman is not going to have medical complications that would require something that would be called an abortion. Mm-hmm. So in an ideal world, it would be like me. I had sex for many years before I became pregnant. I went off of birth control and had unprotected sex. I got pregnant immediately. Um, Maybe not I, by immediately. I don't mean the first time I had unprotected yeah. sex, but um, that first menstrual cycle, I got pregnant immediately. I was very lucky. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had the baby. And then afterwards, I rewent on birth control and I have continued to not be pregnant. You're right. Ideal. That's yes. very, I'm very lucky that I have access to the resources and the information I need to be able to be in a position. And I've also been very lucky that my forms of birth control that I use have not failed me. Right. Um, and additionally, um, there are people who need to get abortions because, um, you know, they get a, you know, their, their baby is already dead in their body. Mm-hmm. And they get what's called, again, something that's called an abortion that basically instead of having to wait for the body to reject that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also people who, you know, their baby might be the, ba- the the fetus that's growing inside of them, the baby that they would hope to be born. Yes. They find out um, doesn't have a brain. So it's a mass of cells that's baby-shaped that they were hoping was going to be this child. But the point is, the only reason it's alive right now is because it's inside of their body. And again, they don't want to have to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an ideal world, that wouldn't happen because that's terrible and horrifying and just traumatic. Right. And also in an ideal world, nobody would ever get pregnant when they didn't want to be because yes. they were young or because they didn't have money or because they just didn't want to be yet. Right. Um. Uh, refer back to episode one if you want to remember how drastically pregnancy changed my body. <laughs> <laughs> right. People don't always want to do it. People want to do it sometimes and still don't actually want to be pregnant. You know, right. like yeah. the act of being pregnant itself is a huge one. And some people love it and some people don't. But it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge no matter what. Yeah. It seems really scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Have, have I mentioned what I'm drinking? 
No, what are you drinking? I just feel like this is the moment that I should mention that unlike every episode we've recorded so far where I've just been staying hydrated with uh, water, uh, uh-huh. I'm drinking uh, eggnog uh, with bourbon tonight. <laughs> and, eggnog. Yeah, I just I felt it bared or bore mentioning because I just kind of started to feel it right when you were in that last spiel <laughs> oh god well okay so welcome to drunk buds uh we decided to start yeah. drunk buds with our abortion episode no, um it's, it's just tipsy <laughs> um we'll just take another sip everyone all of our goslings um okay so yes so so um my point being i also don't want there to be abortions like mm-hmm but I think that, and this is this is where me personally comes in, and this gets a little bit away from the purpose of this episode, <coughs> that if a woman wants to get an abortion, she should just be able to. Because, mm-hmm. again, it radically changes her body. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't want her to ever be in a position where she needs to get one. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Pakistan. Okay. Um, this article... Talks Let's about talk about Pakistan. Da, 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 Let's talk da, about ba, abortions. Oh God, what is the actual lyrics to that song? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's well, I'm so still you related. And me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to. I, <laughs> I, this is so stupid, but I I've had this in my head for so long that if that. Uh, if you just took the comma out of that lyric, let's talk about sex, baby. Uh-huh. I imagine someone like very seriously coming into a room and being like, guys, we need to talk about <laughs> sex, baby. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> it's need, a monster. We need to talk about it. <laughs> Can't ignore it any longer. The horror. Well, maybe when that becomes public domain, you can make that. <laughs> I was joking to our friend, Sarah, um, friend of the pod and mm. our lives, Sarah, that uh, <laughs> now that walking in the woods in a snowy, walking through the woods on a snowy evening by Robert Frost is public domain, ah. that there should be like a horror movie. Like you just like, like a trailer shows up and it's like <laughs> black and it's like cut to like, a, like snow falling, cut to a man braces himself against the wind. <laughs> cut through like the like cut to the moon um cut to like like eyes in the dark and then it just like fades and then it just is like like walking through the woods on a snowy evening or whatever the hell that fucking yeah. poem is called <laughs> yeah no, it, like it, you know it's public domain now we can fuck with it right but in 2019 i think that that movie would just be called frost <laughs> no because then it would have to be about jack frost well, you know why not both <laughs> but yeah it's like you know let's let's adapt that poem into a movie now why not anyway abortion. and by, and by the way yes. you mentioned sarah you called her a friend of the pod and a friend of our lives i just want to point out that we're operating on the assumption that if you are one of our friends you are a friend of the pod because we are the pod. But yeah. <laughs> if you feel differently, you can email us at smugbuds.com or smugmuds.gmail.com. 
Smugbuds.com. But you can also go to Smugbuds.com because there's a contact form. Let, let us know if you are not a friend of the pod and you don't want to be identified as such. There yeah. Might be if categories. you want to be a neutral party, an enemy. An acquaintance of the pod. An acquaintance, a lover. Let us know and we will categorize you properly the way that you self-identify. Okay. When sorry. we when you are lucky enough to be referenced. <laughs> okay, sorry I interrupted. Okay. I think it's good that stuff. we have some some uh some side tangents in this episode. Oh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the funny thing though is like I really could talk about this straight through the whole podcast. Oh, yeah. I think Will's the one that's just like, "Oh god, this is like so much information." I am um, I'm, I'm eager to hear it, although yes, it is heavy. And that makes me a little uncomfortable. Yes. But this is also, I mean, this is the point. And also the point um, in the sense that Will is willing to listen. And I hope you are too. Yes. So it starts talking about a woman ma- named, um, <clears throat> let's see, um, Menaz is how I'm going to pronounce it. M-E-H-N-A-Z. Mm-hmm. Who at 19, she was pregnant for the fifth time and panicked. She already had four daughters and her husband was going to throw her out if she had another <clears throat> so she had an abortion, but, um, she partly self-administered this. So she says, quote, I kept taking tablets, meaning like medicine, mm-hmm. whatever I could lay my hand, whatever I laid my hands on. I lifted heavy things. Like she just lifted the furniture in her living room and she drank tea of boiled dates, which I guess many people believe triggers labor. Um, she felt terrible. She felt a terrible pain in her stomach. So she went to a midwife and the midwife told her the baby was dead. So they gave her an injection and the baby, she was, she aborted. The baby was aborted. <laughs> um, And that was eight years ago. And she said two more abortions since then, because she's afraid that she would have another daughter. Her husband wants her to have a son and uh, she doesn't want to be kicked out into the streets. Right. So they've, um, they haven't used this woman's last name. Um, they talk about Pakistan being deeply conservative. Um, it's one of the highest rates in the world. I don't actually know. Let me see if this link will provide me to the highest. The, and yes, this is referring to that Guttmacher Institute, um, Guttmacher. study. Let's see if I can find the highest. Um, the good maker. Just give me the, the current rates. Okay. Current rates That's are highest in guess. Latin America in the Caribbean. About the and... meaning of Guttmacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think, a good one. And then Africa. And they're, like, 96 and 89 there. So that's even, like, even higher. Out of a thousand. So that's even higher than what we just discussed with Pakistan. Um, mm-hmm. And so, basically, what this article goes on to talk about is that, apparently, it actually is legal. Abortion is, in some places, legal, or in some sense is legal in Pakistan, but it's only in very limited circumstances. And also okay. the penal code's vague about it. So a lot of medical professionals don't um, understand that it's legal in certain circumstances, mm. or they just say, this is my own cultural belief. I'm not doing it. Um, or sometimes they'll do it. Sometimes if a woman walks in and she's like had an incomplete abortion. So she's like clearly part, aborted and and she's started she's done a lot and she's now in a medical trauma situation Uh um part of the reason that women in 
that Pakistani women are seeking abortions are, quote, because they either don't know about contraception or cannot easily access reliable contraception, or they've stopped using it after complications. Um, and also because men oftentimes won't use it. So, mm. you know, condoms are a really easy contra- form of contraception to yeah. access, and husbands won't use it. And because in this country, um, I'll come up with this later. Um, I'll come, I'll bring this up later when yeah. we're talking about this. You know, your husband has to approve something. And so if he doesn't sign the slip, you can't get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that's happening here is that some of the re- reason women are getting pregnant is because, um, they don't have access to things like just the education. Yeah. Um. So they don't have family planning, what's called family planning education. So they don't mm-hmm. know about contraception. They don't know about um childbirth, postnatal care, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, like I said, um, this woman in particular was married very young. She was 13 when she got married. She got pregnant back to back, basically. And... Um, has now has seven children and six girls and one son. And then she's had three abortions because she was afraid mm-hmm. that these children were going to be girls. Um, she's illiterate and she didn't know anything about sex or contraception early in her marriage, which honestly, how much did you know about sex and contraception when you were 13? Very little. Yeah. I mean, I knew, you know, the basic things I, I knew the things that people deemed appropriate to tell me and people weren't, you know, the people in my lives weren't really holding things back as much as I think some people were sex was acknowledged i i definitely knew that she used condoms that was something i had been told um i don't remember how old i was when i got the talk it might have been 13 or it might have been earlier but not much mm-hmm. earlier i think it could have been either 12 or 13 but wow. I, w- I was raised by one parent catholic and one parent protestant and mm-hmm. uh the i got the catholic and uh i was raised by both of them but religiously i was raised catholic and uh it was uh fairly conservative yeah um yeah and i know i can't i don't think i got like a talk i feel like i got information about stuff as it was happening or as i was asking about it or mm-hmm. as I encountered it, which is like really the way it should be. Uh, <coughs> right. Excuse me. Um, yeah. See, I wouldn't have felt comfortable asking. Oh, I wasn't asking like um, as an, an older kid. But my, my mom tells a story once where I was watching TV or we, she was watching TV and I walked in and I was like, they made a joke. And I was like, mom, what's semen? And she was like, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to do this right now. Um, you got that from the TV show? Yeah, there was like a joke on TV that mentioned semen, and what I was like, "What show semen? was on?" I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I don't remember this either, by the way. Okay, this is your mom's story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, of course she didn't know. Um, right. Um. So this story ends about a story with with Menez, a uh, men Menez again. So she had gotten pregnant again at one point. 
She tried taking pills, just whatever she had available to induce an abortion, but they made her sick, so she stopped. Um, she tried taking another pill that was given her by visiting health workers, but it made her bit dizzy, so she stopped taking it. She became pregnant again, but miscarried. She pleaded with the doctors to sterilize her. Quote, she says they told... Told, told her to wait until she was 40 or get a permission slip from her husband. He refused. Quote, he says he can't sign this. It's a sin. She says he also refuses to use condoms or to stop having sex with her. If she has another girl, her husband may well abandon her. If she tries to induce another abortion, her health could deteriorate. I'm stuck, she says. Isn't that so harrowing? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's really awful. So there's a lot of things going on here. Um, the first is that her husband also is not educated, right? Right. So her husband, besides the terrible sexism about having women babies here, which, again, is like a whole different podcast, um, season two, um, mm. he is like, I'm going to keep having sex with you, but if you get pregnant, that's your fault. I'm going to leave you if you get pregnant with another girl because I want there to be boys. And also, I'm not going to let you do anything that allows you to not be not get pregnant. So he clearly doesn't have any education here about contraception, about um, why she's getting pregnant, about how she's getting pregnant, about how to prevent her from getting pregnant, about whether or not it's okay if he if she prevents her from getting pregnant. Um, he doesn't have any of that ac- access. She now has experienced – the only way that she's learned any of this is through experiencing it. Right. Which started at the age of 13. When she was married. Uh, yeah. And so here is a situation where, remember those pro-life legislation things again? Abstinence-only yes. education. Well, how is that helping this woman who's... Abstinence-only education, by the way, I don't have any, like, stats for this, but off the top of, like, here on the show notes, show notes or anything, but, like, abstinence-only education does not actually prevent people from having sex. Right. But even if it does, the point with abstinence-only edu- education is that the idea is that you don't have sex until you're married. Well, this woman was married when she was 16, when she was a girl, really. Right. So even if this pro-life legis- – the point is is that if you don't have any education, you're you're going to get pregnant. And if you're going to get pregnant, you – when if you're actively having sex, that is. And if you're going to get pregnant, at some point, you're going to not want to be pregnant and you're probably going to end up having an abortion. Mm-hmm. So that's the first place where this pro-life legislation fails. Because without education, you can't make choices because you don't have the full amount of information or at least a large amount of information. Right. The second thing that comes up here is contraception. So they're trying to prevent contraception um, from, you know, the pro-life legislation here is saying that they don't want there to be contraception. Or if they do want there to be contraception, they don't want it to just be wildly available to anybody who can get it. And again, right. that's happening in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um it's available, but there's very little education about it, so people don't know how to use it. They don't know what's the best thing for them. They don't know if it makes them feel bad why that's happening, if they should try something else. And so what's happening, people are getting pregnant, people are getting abortions. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece of pro-life legislation here, which is the one that everybody is you know, focusing on when we see pro-life, is that abortion is not readily available to this woman, but she's still having abortions. Right. And she's doing this by doing it in 
unsafe ways. She's taking pills that are unidentified in this article. She's um, doing things like lifting heavy furniture to try to induce her own miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And she's getting shots from people who will give her – from anyone who will give them to her and just hoping for the best. So in this – because of this, she's not taking into – no nobody is taking into account her life except for her. And even she is putting herself in a position where she's going to be hurt. Because again, it's not – in this situation specifically, it's not like she can just have these – keep having babies forever, which in and of itself is horrifying, by the way. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't want to keep having babies and you keep having babies, that's a problem. But even if she did, like, let's say for a second that she did, her husband's going to kick her out if she has another girl. Right. So who's who's being helped there? She's As she said at the end, I am stuck. There is no way for her to get out of the situation because she can't do anything to have autonomy over her own body. (coughs) Yeah. Pakistan. So, again, mm-hmm. this pro-life legislation, right? these tenants that, you know, we looked at this these tenants from this website that are like the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, but they're coming up in a largely Muslim conservative country mm-hmm. in the exact same ways right? mean that there are more abortions. Right. Yes. And those abortions are unsafe. And these abortions are um, oftentimes leading to women feeling like they have to continue to get abortions because when they do have children, there's so little education about what's happening that and, – and because they're put in such dangerous situations that they feel like they must keep getting abortions. Mm-hmm. So do you have any questions any, – any cues about that? No, my only question for the past several minutes has been, are are we going to talk about Switzerland? (laughs) Oh, bless you. Yes, we are. (laughs) Please. Okay, so uh, Switzerland has the lowest abortion rate at five per 1,000 women. Mm -hmm. Great. So let me find my Switzerland article. So this is a fairly new thing, which is the other thing. This changed in, um, these laws changed, um, to be this way, the way that they are now in 2002. So we've got 16 years of sort of data here to pull from. Though again, I'm not exactly sure when this article cut. Okay. So this article is from 2012. So we've got 12 years of data that they're looking at and, or 10 years of data that they're looking at in 2012. Probably mm-hmm. that's why they wrote this article then. Mm-hmm. Um, and this article is citing in 2011, the rate was 6.8. So this other article I'm seeing that's from uh, more recently is saying that it's gone down even more to five. Yes. So what <clears throat> what do they do in Switzerland? Um, so in Switzerland, um, the law that they changed allowed in 2002 uh, says, quote, it's to allow abortion on request for the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. So that just means I'm pregnant. I'm six weeks pregnant. I go to the doctor. I say I'm six weeks pregnant. And they say, 
okay, how, you know, would you like to proceed with this pregnancy? What, what would you like to do? Um, are you considering keeping the child? Would you like to adopt? Would you like to have an abortion? And somebody says, I'd like to have an abortion. And they say, great, let's schedule it. Done. Good and good and good. Mm-hmm. And there are other countries that have levels similar to this. Um, <clears throat> Netherlands, Belgium, Germany. Switzerland's the lowest. Oh, and oh, this is interesting. And the national worldwide worldwide abortion rate, so if you like, um, or the international, rather, if you're looking at it across everyone, it's 28 per thousand women of childbearing age. Okay. So the United States is lower than that. Pakistan is higher than that. Clearly, Switzerland is the lowest. Mm-hmm. The first thing, one, family planning. A low abortion rate goes hand in hand with a low rate of unwanted pregnancy, um, which is to say... They have family planning. So they have educators. They have education on education contra- and contraception. Um, they're looking at the socioeconomic level as well there. It's provided in almost all Swiss public schools. It's usually taught cooperatively by class teachers and experts. So we're saying there are medical professionals or, or sex education experts that are coming in here. When um, girls become sexually active, it's standard to go get um, contraception. Mm-hmm. So that, again, if you – this is a pro-choice piece of legislation, family planning, education. This is something that was very explicitly in that pro-life legislation um, was something that they did not want to fund. But this is meaning that women are having less unintended pregnancies because they understand how their bodies work. They understand how they get pregnant. They understand how to not get pregnant. And when they have access to all of those resources and they have access to contraception, they're not getting pregnant. And so they they don't need to get abortions because they aren't having pregnancies. They don't want to continue. Right. And generally, people who are pro-life, want they want to limit access to those types of resources and that type of education. Yes. And I think that their reasoning is – well, I think that their reasoning is that if – because part of what they do, they don't want there to be abortions, but they also don't want people having sex. And so, right. well, people can't have sex if they don't, if we don't tell them to have sex. Because if by telling them how to put on a condom, we're encouraging them to have sex. And if we encourage them to have sex, then they're going to get pregnant and then they might have an abortion. Mm-hmm. There's also, of course, you know, the idea of not having sex until marriage here. This is one of those things that varies depending on like who you are and who's wanting to be pro-life, right? Like who's, who's pro-life and what camp? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing they talk about in this unprotected sex. So the morning after pill prevents a pregnancy, protects like a, um, embryo from implanting into your uterine wall. Okay. Um, some people do believe that this is a form of abortion, by the way. Sure. Um, but that has also become available for sale without prescription in 2002 in Switzerland. So, um, a hundred thousand packs of those are sold a year. Now that said, not everybody who takes the morning after pill is pregnant. Right. Just because you have unprotected sex doesn't mean you're going to get pregnant. But if you take the morning after pill and you've had unprotected sex, you probably aren't going to get pregnant. So again, preventing you from being pregnant in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um... So both of these th- – and then, of course, it's, like, available. The abortion itself is available. So right. after the first trimester, abortions are still allowed for health reasons, including 
but that includes risks of risk of severe mental distress without the need for a second medical opinion. But in practice, only 4% of Swiss abortions are carried out after 12 weeks. So keep that in mind. Hmm. Six out of a thousand women are having an abortion or five or 6.8, a very low number. Yeah. And out of that very low number, 4% of that. So an even smaller number are having abortions after 12 weeks. And you know what? I bet that most of those abortions after 12 weeks are probably for some sort of medical reason, probably for the, we just took the, um, scan of your baby and its brain is outside of its body. And when you give birth, it's just going to die immediately because there's no way for your babies for your baby to live if it doesn't have a brain right yeah that's always a possibility um i don't know that for certain but if it's that small of an amount it sounds like women aren't just randomly deciding that they want you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like they're like because again they have so much information that when they do get pregnant they probably even if it was an unintended pregnancy they're probably not deciding that late that they want an abortion. They probably have decided way before then that they're keeping the baby or yeah. not keeping the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say to you, I keep saying keeping the baby. That in and of itself is like controversial because as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, like I remember when I found out I was pregnant, my baby was the size of a, se- size of a sesame seed and he is my baby now. He's Elliot and he's yes. a toddler and he runs around. But at the time I was like, if I lost this, I'm losing this this amount of cells that's like minutia. Right. You know? Um, so it's not really a baby you're losing there. If anything, it's the promise of a baby. Uh-huh. What you're what's being taken out of your body at that point is a is a mass of cells. Yes. Um, as far as I'm concerned. Pro life people would say that's a full life at that point, but as we all know, if you take that out of your body, it's not going to have thoughts or feelings or emotions. So you know. I feel that way about some full grown people sometimes. <laughs> right? Because you can't oh, know. God. Yeah. Other, other people's minds. That's the uh that's the untouchable frontier. Well, yeah, and it's like that episode of, okay, this is, I think, our first reference to Angel. Um, <laughs> it's like that episode of Angel where the um, Angel's pretty certain that this boy has a demon inside of him, so he mm. tries to exercise the demon. Wesley does a bunch of stuff, and they finally exercise the demon, and the, basically the demon says, there was nothing in that boy's brain. It was itself. I know you plan to kill me and that's fine because being inside of that body was torture enough. I welcome death at this point. But thank you for letting me escape by trying to exercise me. Mm. Um, I don't think that's true of most people. I sort of remember that episode. <laughs> it's a weird. It's like the first season of Angels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to guess that it, that it sounded like it was from the first season. Yeah. They were throwing um, stuff at the wall. So yeah, so in this in this grand scheme of things, this legislation, which allows for education, which allows for oh, and the number by the way is um eleven in two thousand eleven there were eighty thousand and eight hundred and eight live births and eleven thousand and seventy nine abortions. Um there were some of those were not of Swiss residents. Out of Swiss residents, there were 10,694 abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, 12% of recognized pregnancy ended in miscarriage. And there were 100,000 morning after pills sold. So 
here in Switzerland, there are the least amount of abortions. And the way that they came to having the least amount of abortions was to provide education, provide uh, openly available contraception, provide um, early forms of intervention such as the morning after pill, and to uh, provide, yes, abortion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I understand that I'm very pro-choice. Um, and some of you probably aren't listening anymore if this makes you deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but, you know, some of you who are listening might be saying, but that's not the reason I'm pro-life. And that's fine. You know, if some of the things I'm saying here are because you're saying that's not the point, that's fine. Do you want there to be more or less abortions? If the answer is less, then it's very clear what legislation needs to be supported. Mm-hmm. Finn, do you have any questions? <laughs> is now a good time for me to point out that if uh, a certain English professor were listening to this, he would say that uh it's it's actually fewer abortions and not less oh, abortions Jesus christ which one which one <laughs> throw down the names no well i'm just i'm just saying that might cross an english professor's mind as it crossed mine oh god um, well get know, ready maybe- for season two of will's episode i used to be i've mellowed out about uh being critical of people's language mm-hmm. but i have some new pet peeves and here they are <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> That's right. That's going to be one of my topics. <laughs> uh, and that's uh, that's one of them. But uh, I'm not such a pedant as I used to be, uh, I hope. Did you say not such a peasant? Pedant. Pedant? As in pedantic. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard that word said out loud. I think it's pedant. That makes sense. I would have said like probably something close to like pedant, like pendant. Mm-hmm. Or pedant. I would not have said that. <laughs> Maybe in the UK it's pedant. Oh, because God. over there they say pedophile. Oh, yes, they do. You're right. Um, also, I wanted to mention that while you were talking about the numbers of abortions and live births and morning after pills sold in Switzerland, uh, my doggy was having a dream. Uh, oh. And I know that because my doggy is... Um, curled up on the couch and sleeping and she started to make these little sounds that she makes when she's sleeping sometimes and it sounds like oh she's dreaming about running or chasing or loving yeah it seems like every time she goes to sleep she has a dream about something that she needs to to vocalize um presumably you know an animal that she's barking at and Every once in a while, her legs go like she's running. This is all the more reason that Angie's just the dog version of me. I've I've met Angie once. It was when I was eight weeks pregnant. And I met Angie and I kneeled down to pet her and she hopped ever so gently and put each paw arm on one side of my head and looked at me. And she hugged me, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the whole time I was here, he, there with you. Yeah. She just sat with me and like, like literally I was sitting in the chair that you're sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of this and it's like a, a high top chair, right? It's a stool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a high stool. And she 
is not a small dog. She's like she, a medium-sized dog. Yeah, she's a medium-sized dog. But she jumped on my lap and sat there and just let me hug her for like, I think it was like an hour and a half I sat there with this dog. This mm-hmm. not small dog on my lap on a stool. Yep. And I thought, this dog is me. She only wants affection. Yep. And apparently she dreams like vigorously, which I do as well. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I only wish that my doggy could tell me about her dreams as often as you tell me about yours. Yeah. I, I was going to joke about having an episode on my dreams, but I'm absolutely, mm-hmm. and I'm not kidding, not going to have that episode because <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to hear that. And also... um. I've, I write about them enough that, like, mm-hmm. you can just read my poems. That's fine. Yeah. You can just read my poems as if anyone <laughs> is going to read my poems at any point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just read my poetry. Yeah, yeah, get it from that. Get your dream content there, folks. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to say that uh, I thought that you did an excellent job of covering what you just covered. Thank you. And uh, I want to say that I align myself uh, completely with uh, everything that you said. And uh, I'm uh, glad that you did it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The other thing thing I want to say here, too, is that if you're saying that you're pro-life, but you're disagreeing with my logic here, I think you might want to reimagine what it is you really want. Like, what is your actual end goal? Mm-hmm. Because in what in practice seems, because my whole point here is like, what in practice seems like it would get you what you want, like banning abortion. Mm-hmm. We have empirical evidence. And so if you are saying, I want to reject that empirical evidence, then I think what you need to understand is you're not actually pro-life by the definition you are working off of an emotion, an emotional response. Um, and I don't think that you're actually helping anybody with that, except maybe yourself, maybe helping yourself feel better. Yeah. And one of the things I think you and I both talk about a lot here is we can't just do things because it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, part of what we talked about in – was our last episode our Rick and Morty episode? Yes, it was. We've mostly recorded these in order, but mm-hmm. like part of what you're talking about in this Rick and Morty, what you talked about in the Rick and Morty episode was like, I love this show, but I also understand it's problematic. Yeah. Or or maybe not even that the show is problematic necessarily, it, but like... It is in part. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there are parts of it, but I don't think that like s- the show is like systemically problematic. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like there's somebody in blackface. That would be like mm-hmm. the whole show is problematic. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Big Mouth. Yes. I haven't oh God. I tried to watch that and I just couldn't. <laughs> but anyway. Sorry, people who like Big Mouth, but I think that Jenny Slate playing the character that she does constitutes blackface. Oh, is she playing an African American character? Yeah. A black person? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's I a really like her. <laughs> I really like Jenny Slate too. Yeah, and definitely, I don't this is an issue that I Nick have. Kroll, you don't love what? Nick Kroll, though. Yeah, and that's totally understandable. I I think that Oh Hello is hilarious. I thought the Kroll show was hilarious. I don't love everything that he's done. Uh, I def- definitely, he, he annoys me sometimes. I can understand why other people are annoyed by him. Um, and also, wh- wh- you know, 
I, I can say what I just said about Big Mouth because, you know, even if it weren't problematic in my eyes, I think that I still wouldn't like it because the show is very ugly to me. Yes. Um, whereas on the, on the, you know, on the flip side of this coin, there's a show that does a very similar thing, but it's not ugly to me. It's very funny and pleasing to me and I watch it and I consume it and I enjoy it, but maybe it's just as problematic. And, and the show that I'm referring to, if you haven't guessed is Bojack Horseman, uh, where, uh, Alison Brie yes, plays a yes. Vietnamese woman. Um, and, yes. uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, yeah. So you were saying, I think the reason you were calling back to the Rick and Morty episode was because, uh, I'm trying to, you know, problematize, uh, even the things that I enjoy. Uh, it's easier to problemize, problematize the things that I don't enjoy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and that's something that I can also be aware of and admit and, uh, you know, uh, uh, concede that that's uh, uh, not totally fair and that's showing showing off my biases. Yeah. And I know, too, I'm going to have an episode about Brand New at some point and mm -hmm. Jesse Lacey. And, yeah, I've really, really struggled with that. Um, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I think I'm looking forward to diving into that with you, although I don't really know what you're talking about, so I don't want to. Uh, I mean, the the sort of short and long of it is that there were um like sex like sexual misconduct right. allegations yeah, against right. Jesse Lacey, and right. then the question is like, you know, does this what does this mean for this music? And for me, I mean, we'll talk about this more later, but like part of it for me is like I'm not giving them money anymore. Mm -hmm. So, like, what does that mean for my consumption of their media? And also, what does it mean that their mm. media is, like, sort of ingrained in my body? Right, yeah. And then you open up... Because it's not just that I like them. Yeah. It was, like, a foundational... It's, it's like, a primary source for your, you know, identity. Yes, I, exactly. And also, like, so, like, me... So, so even if I were to never to listen to them again... Mm-hmm. It's still in me. Right. And will always be in me. Yeah. You can't just get rid of it. Yeah. I, I understand that totally. Um, and, and yeah, if we are going to talk about that, then the, then the conversation becomes that conversation that a lot of people are having all the time, which is like, to what extent can you separate the art from the artist? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, we were, I, I had, <laughs> so my family really enjoys Seinfeld. Uh, oh, and so when uh -huh. I went home very recently for Christmas and New Year's, that that was a topic of conversation for some for some reason, even though the Michael Richards racist stand up tape thing was years ago. But for yeah, some so reason, long ago. yeah, but for some reason, that was a topic of conversation this past year. Christmas 2018 was like <laughs> it was a brief conversation, but it was but it came up like. Oh, is it like okay to still enjoy Seinfeld as much as we do? And I, you know, and then I said something like, "Yep, you separate the art from the artist," and they, you know, don't want to get into that kind of a conversation with uh, almost any of my family members. So yeah, but with you, uh, let's get into it in a future episode, probably. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, Will, I mean, do you do you have I know first off listeners, thank you for sticking with me mm -hmm. here. I know yeah. that this this topic isn't fun. 
Um, you know, with current events, I think it's important to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is Janu- January of 2019 now when we're recording this. We do have Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court now. Um, mm-hmm. There's a real reason I got a copper IUD six weeks after um, after I gave – or it was eight weeks after I gave birth and two weeks after Trump was elected. Um, mm-hmm. I do not ever plan on being pregnant again, um, though I do plan on having hypothetically more children through other means. Um mm. Like, like adoption, not like surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, or, or, or if a child, yeah, kidnapping. Or if a child lands in my lap. I know I've, mm-hmm. I've joked about this before, but like, you know, we might just, ad- I've said like, oh, you know, we might just ad- accidentally have a kid. And people are like, does that really, ha- like, does that happen? And like, the answer is like, no, for the most part. But like, Kenny has a cousin who, if his cousin and his wife, or his cousin and his, and, uh, her husband died, we would get their kid. Mm-hmm. Like, we would be the people. Right. Um, and that's been true since before we were pregnant. It actually was true. They wrote it into their wills uh, before we were married. We were written in. I wow. mean, it was like around the same time, but it was like when mm-hmm. we were getting married. She was like, by the way, we did this. And, and mm-hmm. I hope you're okay with it because we already did it. Um, by the way, we did this. <laughs> yeah, they didn't ask us. They didn't ask us. <laughs> oh, wow. You can just put anything in your will, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I think I could refuse. Like, I think I could say, like, no thanks when it, if it actually happened. But um, I'm sure you were honored. But I mean, what a bold move. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I see from your standard, not standard from you from, by your standard. For, <laughs> for me, it honestly just felt like, yeah, clearly I'm the obvious choice. Is right. what, what I thought. I thought yeah. I thought that seems logically consistent with my worldview, mm. which is that I will accept a child if the child is handed to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I know that this, I know that this is a lot. Um, yeah, I I, know, I also know that, you know, maybe, maybe you are in a position where you have mixed feelings on this topic mm -hmm. and, um, you're coming to grasp with the fact that maybe, you do need to support pro-choice legislation and or like what is that going to look like for you if you still want to be pro-life and like how can you support pro-life initiatives but still have the least amount of abortions and i also just want to say that like i understand transitions are hard and like Mm -hmm. you know coming to grips with that can be really painful um Mm -hmm. as you're trying to be the best person you can be like it can be really painful to find out that Maybe your second favorite band you shouldn't really be listening to anymore, and then the next day your hus- your father-in-law has a stroke. Right. Which is what happened to me, by the way, also. The day that – I know I keep bringing this up like it's common knowledge. When my, <laughs> when my, my father-in-law had a stroke, and then he was in a coma, and then he died um, a month later. But the day before that was the day that the Jesse Lacey stuff came out. Right. I know I'm bringing up the Jesse Lacey thing again. Clear this is going to happen in season two. But, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. There's, like, a lot of pain that can happen all at once for situations like that. Yeah. You might have just heard my girlfriend uh, get home. I didn't hear anything. Okay. Well, it might have been you picked should... up on the mic. Way to show your cards, Will. Sorry. I just know Hi. that. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely got picked up on the mic. <laughs> yeah. Well, our first guest. <laughs> yeah. Dana's our first guest. Um, well, I mean, with that, I think that's all I have to say right now before launching, before I accidentally launch into my brand new episode. Right. Um, well, at the risk of being self-congratulatory, because it is my podcast too, uh, I think you did an excellent job. Thank you. 
And uh, we look forward to the next episode, which will be the real uh, season one finale. Yeah. So um, our little goslings will see you next week. On the Smug Buds. Yay! Bye! Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at Youngest of One, and his website is WilliamHoffacker.com. You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at Exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.